Easter, if if we if we didn't, I don't think so. No, we have to. We have. Uh, yeah. I, I think we have to. Okay, Marcus, he is risen. He is risen indeed. All right, you guys know what to do. You know what to do. If you've been in the church for any amount of time, <laughs> you know what to do. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let us know. I'm sure you guys are already commenting that that is already happening. But yep. really. All joking aside, that is what today is all about. The yep. resurrection of Jesus changes everything. It does. And we are so excited to just celebrate that today, mm -hmm. to highlight that today, and to consider that in our own lives and what that means for us and our families and our community and this world. It's such good news. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Well, before we really jump in today, there are a few housekeeping things that we need to deal with. So forgive us, but we do need to deal with these. One of them is our annual general meeting. It's gonna look very different this year. It is gonna be online. And so that is gonna be April 18th at two o'clock p.m. The links to that will be sent to you. You can also um, check out our website and find the details there as well. But April 18th at two o'clock, all of those that are members of Evangel Church, we invite you to participate in that. And there's gonna be on that website and in that email, some more just information on how that's gonna play out. And we wanna make that as easy as possible this year as we look to 2021. Yeah. And then we have another exciting announcement, which you heard from us last week, but we want to remind you of again, is that our next hashtag challenge is coming up actually this Friday. So Friday, April 9th is hashtag we love PR. And so what we want you guys to do is to go out in the community and find your favorite place. Could be a restaurant, it could be a coffee shop, it could be somewhere in nature. And what we want you to do is snap a picture and then post it with the hashtag we love PR and tag us. And as you do that, we'll repost it on our account, uh, on our church account, and make sure that we kind of have this like great display of all the great places that we can uh, that we can visit in Pal River. Already uh, on our comment on social media, somebody said, "How do I choose just one?" Uh, but we want to task you with that on Friday as we join together in community. Some of you have actually already done that after our announcement on Sunday, and thank you so much for that. We will make sure that we grab those pictures as well, but we're so excited to jump into our next hashtag challenge. So without further ado, we're gonna open this time in prayer, and Pastor Lisa is gonna lead us in a reflection as we consider the resurrection and all of that means for us today. So Lord, we thank you for this Easter Sunday. We are so excited to know that Lord, you are the risen savior. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, that you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords exalted. And so God, this Easter, we, we, we just anticipate with you, with your spirit, 
all that, Lord, you have done and all that you are doing in this world, in our families, in our lives. Lord, I pray that by your spirit, you would just make uh, the truth of your resurrection so real in our lives today. So, Lord, we celebrate uh, who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Let's get after it. Happy Easter! Well, I am so glad that you are here with us this morning online to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and to look into this tale of three mornings. Well, I want to acknowledge that, you know, for some of us, this is not the way we thought Easter morning would be going. We were looking forward to being together to celebrate our risen Savior in the same room. And you know what? It is okay to grieve that. It is okay to feel that loss. But can we collectively decide right here and now this morning that we are not going to diminish the truth of Easter by our present circumstances? We're going to choose to celebrate that Jesus is alive with all that we are. We're going to choose to lean into the truth of his word this morning. And we're going to choose to lean into hope this morning. Well, I want to get a bit of a dialogue started in the chat box there because this sunshine that we're having always kind of puts me in a mood to travel. And because it is sunny outside, you might hear the sound of children's laughter floating through your audio feed. And that's because our daycare kids are here. They're celebrating uh, with all sorts of Easter activities and they're enjoying the sunshine. But Maybe like me, you are a person who when you travel, you like to chase the sunshine. I definitely do. Give me someplace hot and tropical and I am happy. Or maybe just having the sun reminds me of summer and that just uh, tends to be the time when our family at least gets away. But whatever it is, the sunshine puts me in the mood to travel. And I would love to hear from you in the chat some memories. When is the time that you packed the heaviest in your travel? Like I'm thinking, you know, those cartoon moments where the suitcase bursts open and clothes fly all over the room, or maybe it's a road trip and you've packed that car more than you ever thought you could pack it. In fact, on the unload, it feels like those clown cars where you just keep taking items out of that car. Or maybe you're an amazing packer and so your memory is someone that you've witnessed. You know that person who's going down the airport and they've got like multiple suitcases and multiple carry-ons and they've got their passport and boarding pass tucked clenched in between their teeth and and they just don't look like they could carry one more thing. But whatever it might be, whether it's you or something you've witnessed, I'd love to hear from you. What is the heaviest that you have ever packed? And we're just going to have some fun with that this morning. Well, we're going to go on a bit of an adventure and look at three mornings from this Easter narrative and some individuals who brought great baggage into their encounters with Jesus. 
So if you have your Bible, flip with me over to John chapter 20, John chapter 20. And if you don't have a Bible, visit us at myevangel.church forward slash Bible. You can request a paper Bible there that we'd be happy to gift you if you're in the Powell River region. But you can also find some links to the app stores there where you can download the YouVersion Bible app. But we're gonna camp out in John chapter 20 and 21 this morning. So go ahead and flip to John chapter 20. And we're just gonna read through verse one to 10 to kind of set the scene of what's happening in this later narrative. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple the one Jesus loved and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight in the tomb and he saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus's head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciples who had reached the tomb first also went inside and he saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Can we just pause for a moment and put ourselves in the shoes of these disciples and like bigger than the 12. We know that Jesus had his 12, but he also had this group of people who followed him and Mary Magdalene was one of those. And as with all things in this narrative, we kind of need to zoom out to context before we can zoom in to nuance. And so in most of the narratives throughout the gospels, Mary doesn't arrive at the tomb alone. She arrives with a group of women. And first, that would be for safety. They arrive while it's still dark in the early morning. But also because this job of um, rewrapping Jesus's body with all of the spices would have been quite a large job. Now, we don't really know why they were going to do it now on this third day. Most likely, it's just that by the time they got Jesus's body, uh, on that Friday evening, they would not have enough time to finish the preparations before Sabbath began at nightfall on that Friday night. And so they couldn't work through the Sabbath. And so now they are going to finish this burial rite that they had begun by wrapping his body in linen. And John kind of seems to gloss over some of those things, um, not because they're not important, but I think he's trying to zoom in just on the most important things that Jesus is gone. That is the most important thing of this narrative, that when they got there, his body is gone. And then at the astonishment of the people who would have been closest to him, I think this is really critical because if there was a conspiracy theory, if his disciples had been part of this plot to hide the body of Jesus, they wouldn't have reacted how they did. So let's pick back up at verse 11 and look through this first morning through Mary's eyes. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. 
And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus's body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I, I don't know where they've put him. And at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. And he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I'll get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. And Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. I love this moment for so many reasons. I love this appearance of Jesus to Mary. I love the wide range of human emotions that are present. I love Jesus' compassion. I love how Mary didn't recognize him at first sight, but the way he said her name, her spirit recognized him, but I'm getting ahead of myself. I love this moment, first and foremost, because Jesus chose Mary. Could have appeared to Peter and John right there at the tomb, but he chose Mary. He chose a woman who would have had zero credibility in the court of law. She would have been a non-starter. She couldn't have been a witness because of her gender. Mary would have been utterly overlooked and dismissed, not because of her character, not because of any flaw in her past, but simply based on the fact that she was born a woman. Have you ever felt like that? Like there's something about you that automatically dismisses you from being chosen by God, something that you didn't choose, something that just is part of your story. Like there's this unscalable wall that stands between you and Jesus. Friends, if Jesus chose Mary to be the first person who witnessed him post-resurrection, if Jesus chose Mary, if he chose to reveal himself not to the person with the most clout, not to the person with the best reputation, not with to the person with the best chance of being believed, then I want you to hear the truth that there's absolutely nothing that could stand between you and Jesus. But we bring this kind of baggage into our relationship with God all the time, don't we? How often do we allow the things that have been spoken over us, the things that are part of our story that we didn't choose, maybe they're, they're the hurts that were put upon us by a broken other. Maybe they're just the lies that have been spoken over you, that you've clung to as truth. Whatever they are, they become this barrier that, that you look upon and you think, God could never choose me. God can never love me. And they, they become enough to stop us from pursuing him. And we allow these not enough statements 
to stand in the way of his love. But friends, if Jesus chose Mary, if Jesus chose a woman who would have been basically worthless in that society, then I want you to hear this truth that you are just as loved, that you are just as chosen, that there is absolutely nothing that is present in your story. There is no lie that has been spoken over you, no sin that has been perpetrated against you that is too big for the cross. There is absolutely nothing in your life that could overshadow the work that Jesus did on the cross. And so I love this. I love that Jesus put feet to what he'd been telling us the whole time. That there is freedom and there is purpose in him. That he accepts all of humanity by showing up to Mary. And he appears to her, not in the best of circumstances. He appears to Mary in the depths of despair. He appears to Mary in her fresh grief. He appears to Mary in her utter bewilderment that someone would steal the body of Jesus. He appears to Mary when the weight of what she's witnessed in the past three days was so heavy that all she could do next was stand and weep. Bruce Milne writes this of Mary in this moment at the empty tomb. The loss of the body is the final indignity, the last straw. Even her mourning for Jesus is violated. It's not hard to imagine the enormous emotional strain which the last few days had placed on Mary. Not least the anguish of having looked on at Calvary. Her tears were more than understandable. I don't know how you felt, but this last week personally has been one of strain. It's been full of the entire scope of human emotions. And having heard so many of your stories, I know that this past year has been one of incredible strain. It's been full of the entire scope of human emotion. It's a place where your tears are more than understandable. It has been one of fresh grief of despair and anguish. It's been a year of sickness, of battling disease. It's been a year of broken relationships. It's been a year of hard situations and storms. Friends, our humanity does not discount us from being used by Jesus. Jesus finds this woman in the midst of incredible grief and he draws close to her and he calls her name. And in that moment, her spirit recognizes what her eyes didn't see. She recognizes who Jesus is. And in the midst of the turmoil, whatever life has been throwing at you, in the midst of your despair and your grief, in the midst of those voices that tell you that you could never be seen by the creator of the universe, that you will never be enough to be noticed by a holy God, in the midst of all of that turmoil, Jesus sees you 
and he chooses you and he calls your name. And when he speaks, our spirits recognize him and we breathe again. Jesus seeks Mary out in the midst of her despair. Despite all arguments that she's the wrong person, <laughs> that she shouldn't be the first witness. And he commissions her to be just that, the first witness of his resurrection. And he speaks into her despair with fresh purpose. Go instead and tell my brothers, I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. Friends, Jesus seeks us out, not just to breathe life to our spirits, and he does that, but he also seeks us out to propel us towards the mission of sharing the good news that he is alive. To share the good news, the hope that we have in Jesus, the truth that we've found, as Romans 8, 38 and 39 puts it, that nothing can ever Separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the fears of today nor the worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord absolutely nothing can overshadow the cross and the empty grave. And this morning, I believe that Jesus is seeking you out and he is calling your name. And he wants to bring you from those places of grief and despair, of believing the limitations that have been placed upon you, of believing the lies that have told you that a holy and perfect God would want nothing to do with you. And he wants to speak hope and healing to those places, not just to awaken your soul, which it will, but to propel you to share that hope and that life that you found in him with others. He wants to give you a hope and a future just like he did for Mary. Well, if we carry on into John chapter 21, we see our second morning. Because Mary does exactly as Jesus asked her. And, and we see in Matthew 28, 7, that when Mary peered in to the tomb and she sees the angel sitting there and they ask her um, who she's looking for, that in Matthew 28, they kind of give her a few extra lines of dialogue and, and they tell her that Jesus is going to head to Galilee. The disciples are supposed to meet him there. And so she passes that message along. And this is where we find ourselves in John chapter 21. And the disciples are there in Galilee. They're there fishing. They're there fishing and not succeeding. They're not catching anything. When Jesus walks down the beach. And from the shore, he tells them to throw their nets onto the other side of the boat and and just like we see earlier in John, all of a sudden their nets are overflowing. And in this miracle of provision, in this miracle that's this exact duplicate of when Jesus called some of them to come follow him and be fishers of men, the disciples recognize him. So we're going to pick up in John 21, verse 15. John 21, verse 15 
When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. On that first morning, Jesus appears to Mary fresh in her grief. On this morning, Jesus appears to Peter fresh in his shame. On that first morning, Jesus overcomes the stigma of what others and society had placed on Mary's shoulders through no fault of her own. On this morning, Jesus overcomes Peter's sin. He overcomes the weight of the guilt and the shame that would have been on Peter's shoulders by his own actions and choices. And I love this, that for every time Peter disowned Jesus, Jesus reaffirms relationship and purpose. And like Mary, Jesus seeks Peter out to restore relationship, but also to commission him to share the good news of Jesus. Friends, there is nothing that is big enough to overshadow what Jesus did on the cross. And to allow our own sin to be that wall, to allow our own sin to be the barrier, to, to believe that there's something in our life that is too big for Jesus to forgive is to diminish the miracle of the cross. It's to think the cross was less than it was, that the death of Jesus was not final, that the death of Jesus was smaller than this Christian faith would make it out to be, and that's just not true. There's absolutely nothing in your story that could overshadow the miracle of the cross. Peter disowned Jesus three times leading up to Golgotha, and that, that guilt would have just been days old. That guilt and that shame would have been fresh, but in the way that Jesus just so beautifully does. He reminds Peter of relationship, and he doesn't just remind him of relationship. Even in this moment where he, he knows what Peter did, he warned Peter he was going to do it, and Peter did it anyway. He, he disowned Jesus around that fire. He doesn't just remind Jesus, or Peter of his love. He's not just like, Peter, hey, do you love me? He brings Peter deeper into relationship with him. He brings Peter deeper in this understanding of God's love for him. He brings Peter deeper in this reciprocation of this relationship with God. Hey, Peter, do you love me? Do you really love me? Not just as a friend. Do you love me unconditionally? Will you put everything aside for me? Because this is the depth of my love for you. He brings him deeper than he'd ever understood the love of God before. And he invites him to a place of right standing before him. And friends, this morning, Jesus offers the same for us. He understands our brokenness. 
He understands our humanity. He knows that we are gonna sin over and over and over and over again, no matter how much we would prefer not to, that we are just broken humanity, that we will not be able to attain perfection. But here's the good news. The cross covers all of it. It covers our entire past, it covers our future because the resurrection of Jesus means that we not only have forgiveness, but we have the hope of an eternity with him. And we have a purpose that consumes our days because Jesus promises that he's coming back. He's coming back for us. And whether we will see that with our eyes or whether the chapters of our life will close before then. The truth of today is that it's one day closer to the end of our contribution to the mission of Jesus. So Jesus finds Peter fresh in his shame, but he also finds him in this moment of limbo. As I mentioned before, the angel told Mary to tell the disciples where Jesus was going to Galilee, and that's where they are. They're in Galilee, and they're fishing. And I'm sure that this was kind of a practical moment. Um, they needed food to eat. I'm sure they needed a way to pay for whatever lodging they had found. And, and this was just a way. They were going to rely on the trade that they had known, this trade that they had grown up in. And so I don't want to diminish that because it doesn't look like Jesus looked upon them with any sort of condemnation. He simply invites them to bring their catch to breakfast. And in that conversation, in that invitation, they walk towards Jesus from the safety of their fallback plan. Jesus reaffirms mission. And he calls Peter out of this state of limbo and puts him on a path that is going to advance the kingdom of God. We often find ourselves in a state of limbo right now, for instance, as we wait for the return of normal. You know, maybe you're in a different kind of limbo as you're petitioning God for direction or you're in a waiting season as you, you ask big things of God, whatever it is, it can be so easy in that moment of limbo to decide that we're going to fall back on what we knew before. We all have those places where when we are in a moment that feels uncertain and uncomfortable and we just feel like we're floating out on the ocean with no sight of shore around us, we all tend to have the place where we can run, where we feel comfortable and safe. And it can be so much easier to go out and fish than to wait in Galilee. And if the future is unclear, I think we'd all prefer to just try what worked in the past than to step out in faith towards the future. But friends, Jesus doesn't call us to the past. He calls us forward. He calls us into the unknown. He calls us to step out in faith. He calls us towards mission, the mission of sharing this good news of Jesus, the mission of deepening our relationship with him as Peter experienced the mission of loving our neighbors well, the mission of looking more and more like him 
every day. He calls us forward. This is a tale of three mornings. And today, April 4th, 2021, or whichever day you're watching this video, is the third. Because if we're honest, we all bring our own limitations to a relationship with God. We all show up with baggage. And this morning, whether you want to believe it or not, you came to this computer screen or TV or phone carrying your own baggage. It could be a lie that's been spoken over you that you have believed as truth or broken circumstances like Mary. It could be your own sin like Peter or or this moment of uncertainty that pushes us towards safe places over faith steps. And this is the constant battle of this faith journey for us. And it's a one-sided battle. It's ours to choose. See, Jesus doesn't bring baggage. He doesn't come where like two broken people trying to make a relationship work. He doesn't bring baggage. He just frees us from ours. Jesus doesn't bring condemnation to our brokenness. He comes to offer us salvation and healing. Jesus doesn't bring doubt. He brings faith and peace. Jesus doesn't bring limitations to our relationship with him. He offers a love that is unconditional and limitless if we choose to accept it. This constant battle, this faith journey is choosing how we're going to respond when we hear our name on his lips. To choose a relationship with Jesus is to choose daily surrender. It's a daily choice to lean into truth. It's a daily choice to leave the baggage at the foot of the cross. It's a daily choice to choose him. So on this Easter morning, we're invited to remember once again why we choose to follow Jesus. On this Easter morning, we're invited to reflect on who Jesus really is and what we're going to do with that knowledge. If I'm being really honest, I kind of feel like that passenger or traveler in the airport. You know, the one that's got the suitcases and the carry-on and the passport tucked in their teeth and I kind of feel like I'm I'm trying to juggle these multiple suitcases of doubt and weariness and fear all the while carrying this heavy backpack full of sin and, and being bound up by the lies that the enemy has spoken over me that I foolishly believed as truth just tripping over myself trying to move forward. And it can be so easy to look at the mess that we bring, to look at all of our baggage and limitations, and to look at the perfection of God and say there must be a catch. Because why would anyone want to take all of this on? Why would anyone want to venture into the messiness of my life? Why would anyone want to soothe the fears that fill up an entire suitcase? Why would anyone want to forgive the same sins over and over and over again? Why would Jesus want to spend any amount of time on me?
I get it. I've had this same conversation with God. God, do you get tired of me showing up with the baggage of my brokenness to the perfection of your cross again? Will there ever be a time where you say, you know what? You relied on my grace and mercy one too many times. I wish you'd just got your act together last week. But friends, that's not our God. No matter how big it seems to me, the mess of my life is no match for the cross. It's no match for the grace and the mercy of Jesus. And so this morning, I want to ask you if you are ready to put the baggage down where it belongs and to leave it at the cross. Are you ready to lose the limitations that have kept you trapped in your brokenness? Are you ready to answer once again the sweet sound of your voice on the lips of Jesus? Those lies that have been spoken over you, the heartache of this season, the brokenness of your own sin, that uncertainty and limbo, but so many times we find ourselves in that cause us to look for comfort apart from Jesus. None of those things are a match for the cross because there's absolutely nothing that can overshadow the miracle of what Jesus did and the miracle of his resurrection. He's calling and he's offering freedom and healing and hope. So this morning, if you're exploring faith, it is so easy when your spirit recognizes the voice of Jesus calling your name. All you need to do is say yes. Say yes. Trade your brokenness for his wholeness. Leave the baggage there and allow him to begin to heal those broken places deep down in you. Allow him to bring you deeper in an understanding of how great his love is for you. There's no formula. All you need to do is say yes and choose to pursue a relationship with him, a friendship with him, and he leads us through it. He takes the lead. If you're going to say yes to Jesus this morning, would you reach out? Because while this is a personal choice, and it is, nobody can make this choice for you. You have to recognize the voice of God calling your name, inviting you to a relationship with him, and you need to say yes for yourself. So while this faith is a personal thing, it's also a team sport. Because none of us were made to do this alone. We were encouraged to be in community with one another because we're stronger together. And we can sharpen each other and we can encourage one another and we can look out for one another and we can warn each other and we have each other's backs and we push each other on when things get hard. You were made for community. So don't try to do this alone. Tell us. And we would love to celebrate with you as you say yes to Jesus, but we also want to walk through this faith journey with you. Or maybe this morning, you know Jesus, <laughs> whether that's for like seven hours or 70 years. You know what? 
you still have a choice to make today. You have a choice to make daily. Will you let Jesus be your savior? Will you surrender your baggage once again for his freedom and life and hope anew? Well, we're gonna pray and then we're gonna move into communion, but I wanna invite you uh, to join us this morning. We are gonna do communion in person through drive-through communion from 10 to 12. And so if you just want to like pray with us and then pause, you can do that. Or you could have communion twice. You could have communion right here on this stream and then uh, come together as well. And we are going to do that in a socially distanced, safe way. We're going to follow all the guidelines that the BC government has given us. And we would love to see you there. To see you and remember together the incredible miracle of the cross. To celebrate together that Jesus rose again to complete what had been done there so that the cross wouldn't have to be repeated, but that it was an everlasting, permanent solution to our brokenness. So let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much for Easter. Jesus, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the empty tomb. We thank you that you didn't just free us from sin, but you freed us from death, that we can have life everlasting because you rose again. And that we can have a certainty and a permanence of what you did. We can have an assurance that there is absolutely nothing that could overshadow the cross. So I pray this morning as you speak our name, that we would have spiritual ears that would hear that as you seek us out to, to restore relationship, to free us from the baggage that we carry through this life, to bring hope and healing and freedom once again, that we would choose you, that we would surrender once again this morning, that the truth of what you did on that Good Friday and Easter morning would once again sink deep into our hearts that would be foundational would you free us from all the lies that we've believed about any way that we could not measure up or or just try harder to earn your love that there would be some sort of limitation on a relationship with you would you speak truth but there's absolutely nothing that could separate us from the love of god and that the cross covered it all. Thank you for forgiving my sin. Thank you for wrapping me in your righteousness that I could have a relationship even in my broken humanity with a perfect and holy God. We recognize that the only reason that we can have a relationship with you is because of your sacrifice and your resurrection. So we surrender once again in your precious name. Amen. Well, thank you, Lisa. And we want to follow up right now with something that is, um, it's called communion. It was instituted by Jesus. It was the last meal that he had with his disciples. And so we're going to do just that right now, but we're going to do it in two different ways. 
There are some of you that perhaps uh, you're immunocompromised and um, coming and gathering and being with people right now is just not a wise decision for you. And so stay tuned, stay with us for just a moment. We are going to do communion online here right now. But for the rest of you, we encourage you this Easter Sunday to jump in your cars with your families and come on down to the church between the hours of 10 o'clock today, just in the next half hour or so, 10 o'clock to noon. Come anytime between then, and we are going to have uh, our leadership team here, and it's going to be a drive-through communion. So you're going to drive in, you will be directed once you get to our parking lot of where to go. You're going to park, you're going to jump out of your cars with a station. We're going to have three stations set up for communion. And at that time, you're gonna partake in communion with part of our leadership team and also do some prayer together. And then you jump back in your vehicle and you drive out. And so we're calling it drive through communion. And we just felt that this Easter needed to, it needed to have a sense of community as best as we can serve you in that. And so that is how we're gonna do that. So for those of you that are able, we encourage you, jump in your cars between 10 and noon today right now come on down and we would love to see you and partake in communion together but like i said for those that you can't and that would be an unwise thing to do we're going to partake in communion right now so paul paul writes of of jesus um, at that last meal and Jesus says, for, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And today, as we consider Good Friday, as we consider Easter Sunday and the resurrection that, that gave power to that act of death and being buried, and, and, and now that, that resurrection life that completed the circuit, so to speak, and, and, and brought us salvation. And it was his broken body for you and for me. And so we are going to partake together in his broken body. So Lord, we thank you for your broken body for us. Lord, we thank you. We are humbled to consider the Easter weekend. And we are humbled to consider what you did for us, what you endured for us, the punishment that was upon you, Lord, so we could have life and we could have healing and wholeness. Lord, we thank you so much for what you did on that cross and everything that preceded that moment on the cross. Lord, we're so grateful and we love you for it. We love you for it. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink and, and eat and this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. There's this promise here that Jesus is going to be a returning king. Um, and so we, 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 we do this with... Uh, a thankfulness for what he did, but also an anticipation of what he's yet to do in ushering his kingdom in fullness. And so this is just such a beautiful moment to consider the power and the impact of his shed blood for us. Let's partake 
together. And so, Lord, we thank you for your shed blood that covers us, forgives our sins, makes us righteous and holy before a holy God. That, that Lord, in that moment of the shedding of your blood, that, that curtain in the temple was torn in two. And Lord, humanity was given a way, a doorway, a narrow path in which to enter relationship with their creator. And that is through, Lord, your shed blood and your broken body. And Lord, and, and is empowered by your resurrection. And so, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to remember, but to anticipate what is yet to come. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Now, for those of you that partake of communion with us right now, uh, we know that if you are immunocompromised mm -hmm. and you know you're walking through some hard things, there's there's some pieces and components to your life that are complex, and and we just want to just um, maybe just say a prayer for you. And so, Marcus, would you mind just just praying a prayer of healing and restoration and wholeness as we consider the power of the cross today? Yeah, so God, we thank you so much that even in this moment, being online, that you are with us, that yes, you are here Lord. in our prayers, and that you hear uh, the needs and know the needs of the people that we are joining with right now. And so God, for those who are in this season immunocompromised or even just sick um, or unable to uh, visit us in person, God, we thank you that you are with them right now and yes, may they Lord. sense your presence in their homes. May they know your care for them in this moment. Uh, God, we know that you are our healer and that that is one of the ways that you show us the restoration that you bring. And so, Lord, we ask in your name and by your power and your Jesus. mercy in our lives that there, if there are people here who need healing, Lord, that you would touch them with your hand of healing, that they would uh, know that this is you working in their lives, that um, any symptoms or any sickness or even uh, something that's been given a diagnosis that maybe is uh, one that's that's. Uh, last throughout life that you would just begin to work in their lives. God, we know that you uh, have created each one of us. And so you know exactly those parts that need to be shifted or adjusted. And God, for, for the miracle that even doctors are, I pray that you would give uh, doctors wisdom that comes from you, whether they know you or not, uh, to be able to care for people as well. Yes, and that Lord. you would even do your healing work within and through those people as well. So God, we thank you that on this Resurrection Sunday, that we can remind ourselves that you have come to restore everything, not just our right relationship with you, which is the most important part, but also our bodies and this world. And so God, we look forward to that in the fullness of what that looks like when you return. Yes. But God, in the in-between and in the midst of it, we thank you that you are still working as well. So we lift up all of these people to you mm -hmm. and may you be with them in such a powerful and tangible way this morning. We love you and we thank you and we uh, believe in your name, Jesus. Yes, we pray all of these things in your name. Amen. 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 Well, happy Easter, everyone. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for joining us and may you have a blessed week to come. We'll see you. See you, friends.